Hello, hello. It's Brooke DeVard, and you're listening to the Naked Beauty Podcast. Welcome back for another episode. Today, I'm speaking to Zara Rahim, who I have been admiring and just loving the way she gets out into the world and works for years. And Zara's actually had some really interesting work experience. Now, of course, this is a beauty podcast. So we spend a lot of time talking about beauty and skincare and her makeup and all of that great stuff. But I had to just ask her about her career because I think it is really fascinating. She's worked for President Barack Obama. She's also worked at Vogue. She's also worked at Uber. She's also worked for Mariah Carey, which I have to be honest with you all. As we were talking and getting into conversation, I forgot to even ask her what it was like working with Mariah Carey. I actually had to send a voice note to Zara just being like, just give me a few sentences on your experience working with Mariah Carey. And this is what she sent back. I still don't think people really believe me when I tell them I worked with the Mariah Carey on her book. What an amazing honor and privilege. Imagine working with somebody who was and is deeply formative to your life and your womanhood and the way that you experienced music and culture. And every time we spoke, it felt like out of body. She is no bullshit. <laughs> I learned so many lessons from her. Honor of my life, though, truly like inarguably the most per- important person I've worked with. Today, Zara is a strategic advisor to business leaders, startups, artists, musicians, brands, internet personalities, media entities, comedians, athletes. She does it all. She is so smart. She is so driven. And you know what I also really love about her story? I think oftentimes, and this may be just the lens that sometimes I look at uh, the world with, working where I work and going to college where I went to college, I think there's an assumption that a lot of people that get to these really established places have always, you know, gone to Ivy League schools and they always got straight A's. It was actually really interesting hearing from her that that was not the case for her, that she actually like struggled in school and she took her longer to find her footing. I also just love the brow conversation we were able to have and beauty standards that are placed on South Asian women. I think that's a very interesting conversation to have. So again, my guests continue to be the best part of doing this podcast that I get to sit down and speak to interesting women week after week. If you loved this episode, let me know. Give me and Zara some love on social. Take a screenshot while you're listening. Tag at Naked Beauty Planet. Take the time to rate and review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to Naked Beauty. And let's get into today's episode with Zara. You'll know real when you get it. It will say eBay authenticity guarantee and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like a gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts, not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. 
Zara, welcome to Naked Beauty. I'm so excited to have you on. I'm, I've been waiting my whole life for this, <laughs> truly. Well, <laughs> I feel like you are such an amazing career woman, like a woman in business, because you've had this incredible career story where you started at the White House. Mm -hmm. Then you went to Vogue. I went to Silicon Valley. I was an Uber. Okay, you were at Uber. Yeah. Then you went to Vogue. Mm -hmm. Then you went to The Wing. Yeah. Which doesn't even exist anymore. Right. When we met, you were at The Wing. Yes. Um, and now you're just like running your own business, doing your own thing as a boss. But you've always just been like very cool and also outspoken about how to navigate your career. Mm -hmm. And then you're just like a beauty girl as well. Always giving us a look, always giving us a hair, an eye, a, like a moment. It all sort of just happened um, with the beauty part. And it became one of those things that actually made it a lot easier for me to engage in because mm. I realized that it was it still could be fun. Yes. Like I, I still had like, you know, my my point of view about like politics or policy mm. or like sort of just the world in general. And and that that I always sort of led with how I felt about the world before I sort of reminded folks that it's also very okay to care about beauty. And it really happened in a way that felt super organic and unforced. I love that. And I've always sort of tried to like engage in it in a way that always preserves, yeah, like it being fun. Like I, I don't sort of like do spawn con or a bunch of sort of like things that like I don't like endorse products that I don't use. If people DM me and ask me specific questions. I'm always sort of like excited and happy to answer. But then I also get to like disengage from it when I want to, which is really nice. But I have so much respect for people who do it full time because my gosh, it is a lot of work. It is a lot of work. Now, speaking of work, one of the things that you brought up when we were on a panel together literally so long ago, that was oh pre-pandemic, but you DC. Before yeah. COVID. Before COVID. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You talked about salary transparency in oh a really gosh, yeah. interesting way where you were saying that women of color should actually ask their white counterparts how much money they're making. Mm -hmm. Is that something you've done before? Yes. Okay. And I also want to say that like I have an update to that ethos, which is that like women of color actually shouldn't really have to take on the labor of asking yeah. our white counterparts to share their salaries. I think that white people are non and and, and also non-black people specifically, mm -hmm. um, because there obviously is a significant pay uh, gap between black women and other minority groups. And specifically with Asian Americans um, in certain industries, we also have we make more money. Right. Um, tech and so, being one of them. Tech, um, medicine. Mm -hmm. um, and so. I've sort of uh, readjusted my perspective, and a lot of this is sort of informed by um, the work of a lot of Black women in this space who have sort of been like, that's not the labor of us to do it. it it's actually on you and, and your white counterparts to, or peers in, in whatever you know job you might have to, you know, create an environment in which it, it, it's normalized. It shouldn't be uncomfortable, especially as women we have to very much take care of each other. And I think that there is this expectation that it has to be this sort of like difficult or sort of thorny conversation. And and I, and I think that we really have to reconfigure the way that we're thinking about it. But that starts with, I think, asking folks, leading with white people to to start actively sharing how much money they made in a position, if they held it previously or if they're in the same sort of 
pay band as um, somebody that's been hired just to be like, hey, this is how much I made, just so you know, this is how much, you know, my bonus was, or this is, you know, this is um, how often I get a raise. Mm. Yeah, I, I think that it's it's sort of like, it became less of me sort of like demanding everybody tell me and more so like me actually being able to think about it in a different way, which I think is important. Yes. Yeah. That's very interesting. And I want to get into your experience working at Vogue. That is a place that I interned as well and mm-hmm. also notoriously doesn't pay well. So people with a certain amount of privilege are able to work there. Yeah. But before we get into that, you started your career at the White House working on Barack Obama's campaign. Yeah. First the re-election campaign. Yes. And then I you started on, on the campaign side first and then I went to the White House. So what was that like? You know, it's so wild to think about that it's been a decade now. I mean, I can't even believe it. And that was the re-elect too. So I think a lot of the times like people really are shocked to hear that I was an incredibly misguided, totally undedicated, you know, just deeply unserious person before. Really? Yeah. Like, Where did you grow up? I grew up in South Florida. So I grew up in St. Lucie County, which in politics is referred to as, you know, as part of the I-4 corridor, which is part of a collection of counties that that, uh, are purple, decide sort of the way that Florida swings in, in presidential elections. But, you know, it, it's sort of the beginning of the South. That, okay. You know, we, we really call it like sort of like South Georgia, like at that point. I grew up in a, in a city that um, is very diverse, um, a collection of a lot of uh, white folks, um, lower income white folks, but also snowbirds. And then uh, I also, of course, get, growing up in Florida, there's a lot of Hispanic and Latino um, communities, Haitian communities, mm-hmm. and and um, Black folks as well, of course. Um, my high school actually uh, was, is famously uh, the, the last place that Zora Neale Hurston taught. Oh, wow. Um, and so she was a huge part of my curriculum growing up. And the uh, days she spent the final years of her life were the, the house right across the street from my high school. And so yeah. high school, I was in, you know, an accelerated program. I was in an inter- National Baccalaureate. I was a, a bright kid. I was smart, but I only really wanted to learn what I wanted to learn. <laughs> and so, you know, in retrospect, it, I definitely like had undiagnosed ADD. Like it was, it was just like my mom was always co- kind of always on the edge of her seat. Like, what is going <laughs> to happen to her? You know, uh, I think she still always is, is feels a little bit like that, as I think most moms um, many times do. And where's but your mom from? My mom. Both of my parents are from Bangladesh. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And have you spent time in, in Bangladesh? Oh, yes. Yeah, so much time. Okay. Yeah. So much time. I, I, I really am so lucky that my family, my parents made a concerted effort to make sure that we were going there every summer to spend time with our grandparents and, and my cousins and, and my, you know, um, uncles and aunts. And it was my first language. My mom really believed if we learned Bengali that we would, of course, learn English at school. And we knew to speak English at school. We knew to, we only spoke Bengali in the home. And it it was a very sort of, of course, in retrospect, I, I now am so deeply appreciative. But of course, like, it's not novel or new to sort of uh, hear the story that it was not as fun growing up, um, especially when you're sort of living in a place where 
white adjacencies is key to to how you move through the world and survive and and see yourself. I also grew up like in my elementary school years going to an evangelical Christian school. And so and you are Muslim. Muslim. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. So so you can imagine. <laughs> yeah. Did you feel like you struggled with feeling beautiful or your mm-hmm. beauty identity mm-hmm. growing up? Oh my gosh, so much so. And now it, it, it's sort of like, I've actually like been thinking a lot about this lately, especially because I, I read sort of, or I read, I, I was watching this TikTok. I'm sure you know that I love TikTok. Yes. Uh, Don't I, we all? I'm obsessed. I feel like I've learned so much. <laughs> I truly Gen Z has taught me so much and I'm so grateful for sort of like the like tools um, that have allowed them to sort of share their progressive and just deeply insightful perspectives on everything. I say literally once a week that I wish I was Gen Z. I feel like they are so much more progressive than we were growing up. I know. I was watching a TikTok and, and this woman was, gosh, she must be like 20, maybe. Actually, now that I think about it, she's probably like 18. I was talking about sort of like this idea of how a lot of many, many South Asian women particularly talk about their glow up, right? Like, mm. and they'll be like, they'll post like a photo of themselves from when they were young and they had like a lot of body hair, or their hair was unkempt or the, you know, their eyebrows were sort of undone. Their eyebrows were unthreaded. Uh, un, uh, and then they'll post like a really be- beautiful photo of them now. And sort of the idea that like, I certainly wish that I had more extended myself more grace, young me, and that I for years would look at photos of myself from when I was a kid and be like, oh gosh, I was so like uncute. I was so ugly or I was so like, oh God, like, you know, so like the shame and embarrassment that you're sort of like trained to like feel. Mm -hmm. And now I look at them in a totally different way. Like I was very cute. I was very outspoken. I was like, sort of like, I, I didn't feel unconfident until I got older. And, you know, when you get to an age, maybe 14, 15, 16, when you start to sort of think about your other girls or boys or whatever it is that you're interested in and how they feel about you. And I think that that is sort of where I am in my journey of sort of decolonizing my brain and, and, and like how I felt about myself. But, but certainly at the time, I think that like when I was young, like I, I did feel like I was constrained by our financial limitations, by the strictness of my, my mom and by society. And, and, but again, like not until I got older was I sort of like, really focused on how other people felt about me. Mm. Was there an instance of someone saying something to you in high school? Mm. Like, I feel like everyone has a story of some like ignorant boy that said something Mm -hmm. about your physical appearance that just sticks. I generally, as a point of view, just try to forget what men say (laughs) most of the time. But I definitely got like a lot of sort of comments and probably like things that you know, now that I think about them, were probably like digs about my unibrow. And again, I, I come from a culture and a society where this is this is a sign of beauty. And 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 I felt so much shame about it. And my mom 
always used to like be like, it's so beautiful. Right. Like, and I had aunts who were just gorgeous and like, you know, like would they were the, the women that I looked at and I was, you know, taught me how to put makeup on and, and things like that. That would be like, it's beautiful. Like, and they would show me pictures of this very famous Bollywood actress named Gajul who has a unibrow and she's known for it. But, and, and it's also a sign of luck, Hindu culture specifically, from what I believe. And I think that I was just so against it that like, well, you know, I would go and I would pluck them myself. I, I one time took a razor to it. I know. Wow. I know. I got, I got in a lot of trouble. <laughs> my mom like kicked my ass. Like she didn't kick my ass actually, but like, you know, she was like, no, do not ever do that again. And I was in so much trouble for it. But I remember that um, mm -hmm. pretty specifically. It was more so sort of like, when I was at private school, you know, my parents worked really hard. Um, we, my parents owned a convenience store and spent all of their money sending me and my sister to private school. And, and it was just the thing that they believed was like the most important thing that they could do is give us the best, best education possible. And, and during that time, insecurities about sort of your finances and sort of like, that's sort of the moment that you realize that like you're different than other kids because like you go a large part of your childhood not really thinking about like how much money your parents make in comparison to your friends parents and then you go to private school and then somebody invites you over right right and you're like oh or like the cars that like you know you get picked up in because there's no bus system right mm -hmm. so it's like your parents have to pick you up every day or, you know, my mom was always late to pick us up because she was running a store. And so like sometimes, sometimes she would be like, we would be the last kids there. Right. And it wasn't because she was, you know, yeah, at the time we would be so yeah. embarrassed and so like upset. And it's just like, she's doing the best she could, you know? She was working. Um, yeah. It's so interesting to think about you ending up as like your first work experience working yeah. for Obama and yeah. doing digital specifically yeah. at a time when people were figuring out how to use Instagram and Twitter totally. to connect with young people. Yeah. It must have been very exciting. Did you feel you were able to express yourself with like beauty and fashion then early yeah. in your career? Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's such an interesting question because I, I also think this is like sort of an untalked about thing. So background is, is that I, I was going to college at the University of South Florida got in by the skin of my teeth. <laughs> Truly. You know, my sister's like very sort of book smart, went to Emory, got into Columbia for her master's, like, you know what I mean? Like sort of doing the like immigrant dream, like, you know, first child journey. And here I am at the University of South Florida in a white panhellenic sorority. Oh, like wow. I cannot imagine you in a sorority. I can't either. But I was <laughs> I was there. I was a tri-delta. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Why? Why? Interesting. Why did I do that? Interesting. Anyway, so so that was also an interesting experience because I was the only woman of color in or, the whole sorority. Not the whole sorority. I was I was like one of like probably like five, honestly, okay. like out of like uh, still just dismal. Yeah. But I remember thinking, like you know, at that time, you're like you feel pride, like you're like oh, like I made it instead of a, a a mentality of sort of abundance or like, why aren't there more of us? I was sort of like, I made it. I was thinking about myself and like what made me exceptional and how I got in that room. Mm. When in reality, like obviously all of the things that I should have been asking is where the fuck are the rest of us? Right. And I had been sort of 
trained or conditioned rather to believe that I was an exception to the rule. Um, And I deeply sort of, you know, I don't want to say the word regret, but it's one of those things that I, because obviously it, I'm now on the journey that I am and I needed to experience that um, and, and know that about myself to be where I am today. But it's so funny to think about, like when you're like, wow, like, how did I now when you know me, as you know, like you're like how you were in a sorority and it's like, yeah. 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 But I think that awareness as a person of color to get into yeah. a place, a predominantly white institution, whether that's a like a company, a sorority to yeah. look around and then also feel comfortable enough to say, yeah. Why aren't there more of us? Totally. I think for many minorities, they're just like, okay, I made it into the room. Totally. And so now you have to fight for your life. Yeah. Yes. Now I have to fight for my <laughs> life. I don't also then yeah. feel empowered to raise my voice and say, why yeah. aren't there more of us? And that comes yeah, with time. Absolutely. And so all that to say is sort of like, I, I then I went and interned in Bangladesh, where my family is from, for Amanda Muhammad Yunus, um, who won the Nobel Prize for conceptualizing microfinance, which are small collateral free loans that are primarily given to women because they're a better group to lend to because they're mm-hmm. much more reliable, sorry, in repaying their loans. And, and, and he was co- coming up with a new business called Social Business. Anyway, all that to say that that was the moment that I sort of realized that I cared about doing something in my work. It was the aha moment where I was like, oh, I can feel excited about something that actually contributes to like society, the good of society writ large. Yes. Um, and so went back to school that fall. I got an email about interning on a campaign. I knew that Barack Obama was running for reelection. I assumed it was him. So I, I applied, I got interviewed and I got hired and between sort of like being a college senior and working on a campaign and I was working at Nordstrom okay. part-time, my first like retail job, I was coming to work a little bit more dressed up. You know, I was sort of like, I cared about what I looked like in the workplace. And I think that on campaigns and even in politics in general, that like you spend so much time working and they do absolutely like they they spend so much time thinking about policy and and right. and um you know and writing and and uh, executing an agenda and legislation et cetera you know all the things that politics are that there isn't sort of an expectation that you'll look your best and that when you do it's for a reason and I really tried to like make sure I was always putting my best foot forward also because I I know that I didn't have sort of the same luxury as white people. Politics is still democratic politics to this, like, doesn't matter sort of like where you sit on the spectrum. I think that there's this misconception that like democratic politics is somehow much more diverse behind the scenes than it is. It's not a deeply white space. And so I didn't really have the luxury of just like showing up looking, you know, in anything. Right. Like, and just being like, I didn't brush my teeth this morning. Oops. Like, no, right. Right. Like I had to always be on. Yes. And also like many of the women that are my peers, you know, that are brown or black women, also are always on. They're the best dressed women in the room, you know? Yes, yes. And I think that that is true of even our elected officials. If you think about it, they have to be perfect. Yes. Um, and so that really also carries into 
behind the scenes. And so like it was from the campaign, like I would always show up to every event. I was like, the president of the United States is going to be here. Why wouldn't I be sort of like looking to the nines, you know what I mean? Or just to the nines. And so I always cared as much as I could. Um, But and and I think that's always just sort of carried through my career. And I realized that it actually just gave me that sense of dignity and sort of feeling in the morning that made me feel my best. Um, And I tried to to I always tried to do that. And carry that through. What do you think about the way AOC's beauty choices are discussed? I mean, she does such an excellent job of addressing it in a way that I think that is exactly why she is who she is. And and thank God we have young, progressive women more and more, you know, since she's been elected, it's been sort of like incredible to see the impact or or just sort of like the carrying on of sort of of what it looks like to elect young progressive women into office who don't take shit <laughs> you know what i mean like yeah. she, the fierce urgency of of the rights interest in in whatever it is that she's doing and being able to sort of address the things that she does particularly that they like did or does that they think are frivolous, um, bartending, getting dressed up, doing a shoot for a magazine where she's very clearly lent clothes that are not hers. Right. That somehow it becomes like the dog whistles are sort of no longer dog whistles. They, they're just saying how they feel. Outright attacks. Totally. Yes. If Trump did one thing, it was made people say what they feel outright more so than hiding behind what it is that they're not scared to say. And and I think that like, I'm sort of more fearful of people pretending that they're saying one thing when they're saying another. Sure. I prefer outward uh, racism. A hundred percent. Show me who you are. So I know where where, where to move to navigate around you. Yes. Or how to see you. Yes. Um, And so, yeah, I I mean, I'm so grateful for her and, and, you know, what she's done to make it so that she can show up as her full self at work. And I think that should be true for every woman. Talk to me about your approach to beauty today. You've got this gorgeous yeah. glitter eye oh. moment happening that I love. <laughs> um, and now you also, you have the luxury of working for yourself. Yeah. Um, you pick your own clients. Yeah. Um, but you still have to, you know, command yeah. respect and attention. Yeah. How do you navigate your beauty choices now? Oh my gosh. The pandemic certainly I think had a really significant impact on the way that not only I like think about beauty, which is just one way people perceive me, but the way people perceive me in general. I spent a solid portion of my career, the majority of my career, really thinking about letting my career define me. And I think that I had a sort of moment after, you know, when the pandemic begun where I was like, all right, no office, no work that is sort of, you know, like, like a, 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 I was no longer sort of working in house anywhere. I'm on my own. Society was certainly going through a reckoning on ethics, morals, race, all of the above immigration. And I think that I had a moment where I was like, who am I? You know? Talk and to me a little bit more about what you just said yeah. about defining yourself by your career. Yeah, because I, I think a lot of people 
inadvertently define mm-hmm. themselves by their career yeah. and they don't realize it. How did you totally. realize that that's where your sense of self-worth was coming from? My, I think my politics changed. I think the way that I saw the world changed. I think that the things that I was telling people they should believe, the things that I was like as a communications person really going out and like going to bat for, I had a moment of inflection where I was like, is this totally aligned with what I believe mm. and who I am? And I think that like a lot of people are really scared to have an honest, particularly when it comes to politics, like a really honest conversation about opinions changing. And I just have realized in the last two years, I'm far more progressive than I ever let myself be. I had a moment where I was like, okay, actually I realized that like carrying other people's water has actually never served me totally well. And I think that that happened at Vogue. I think it happened at the wing. I think it happened, you know, in, in many of the, the, the jobs that I've had where I realized like, okay, I went in with this mentality that I can like, you go in and you, you leave something better than you found it. You do the best you can to, to push people to a place where, where they're seeing different perspectives and, and, um, you're commanding respect and, and you're telling them the right thing to do. And the reality is, is that that has a limit as do corporations and capitalism and all the sort of things that are involved with having a job that I realized that like those things were not giving me back the same sort of compassion and benefit of the doubt and service that I was putting into it. And I think that that is a really hard realization to have. And so in these last two years, like I had so much fun, like working on things that I thought were certainly different than work that I've done before, but allowed me to try doing things and either say I enjoyed that or I didn't enjoy that. I liked that. And um, actually like letting myself have that conversation about what parts of my work I enjoy because I get to work for myself and and figure that out. I'm 31 years old. You know what I mean? Um, So... And 31 is still so young. Right. Um, so I'm excited to see, you know, all that you've accomplished in the yeah. years ahead. Being someone that is mindful of just politics, that has a progressive way of looking at the world, do you sometimes find it difficult to be a beauty consumer? And mm. I ask this because the beauty industry is just that. It's an industry yeah. with, you know, the bottom line is ultimately what these companies care about. How do you think about supporting certain Mm -hmm. beauty brands, your relationship with purchasing things? Mm -hmm. Is that something that you interrogate a lot? Yes and no. I think that because I now have sort of like curated trusting voices so much and looking to voices and faces that I trust their ethics and their perspectives on guiding me to the right products that I've been able to like create a foundation that allows me to sort of pick beauty products. Yes. Based on that. That makes sense. So, so for example, like many of the sort of like recommendations that I get come from very specific people, other black women in the beauty space who are building businesses that actually contribute to the bottom line of building out financial equity and wealth for communities of color. Yes. Um, I have to say that I think about that more than I think about sort of uh, sustainability. And I absolutely believe that sustainability and, and 
the environment are fundamentally important. And I think that 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 there's certainly um, an undeniable racial layer that comes to the way that global warming impacts communities of color, of course. But for me and many folks of color, like I'm really focused on sort of the people that are making good paying jobs, that are going into the pockets of people who look like us, that are creating businesses that reflect faces that look like ours or, you know, women who look outside of the the Eurocentric standard of, of beauty. Um, it's, it's amazing yeah. to me that in 2022, that is still a conversation. There are so many brands that come into my DM saying, we'd love to send you, you know, XYZ right. moisturizer, serum, eye cream. And then I look at their page uh-huh. and there is not a single yeah. person. I mean, maybe if I scroll and scroll and scroll, uh-huh. there'll uh-huh. be like one or two totally. women of color. And it's like, why... I guess I just haven't fully wrapped my mind around not having, that's like the bare minimum, diverse representation in your marketing social presence website. Mm -hmm. And still some brands aren't even there yet. I know. And, but the good thing to, for us though, it's like sort of goes back to what you were just saying about like, you'd rather say somebody say out loud. Yes. 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 Is that you get to like, look at that page and be like, Oh, okay. Well, if this looks like this, you certainly don't have any people of color behind the scenes, right. black people behind the right. scenes. Right. Like I can just assume that. Yes. And if you do, they're minimal at best. Yeah. Or they're not in a position where they're empowered to speak up about it, which yeah. is also a problem. Right. So, and they're not doing the creative work, which is like the, chunk of your business, right? Right. Like the leading portion of your business. And so, yeah, it absolutely is, is mind boggling. And and I think that those, those sort of like more household names, institutions, I'll leave names out that, that are sort of the people you find when you walk into a Macy's or a Bloomingdale's are realizing that actually beauty is being more and more defined by real people now. Absolutely. And that the inverse is happening when you go to TikTok and you are scrolling through beauty Instagram or sorry, Instagram's TikToks, or you go to the Instagram Explore page and you see that that women are following real people yes. now. They care more about real recommendations yeah. versus who's on a billboard or what, you know, what model is wearing what. It's becoming less relevant. And I think that that's really why you'll see so many of these brands like scrambling to like make their like, oh, look, we have a we have a creator page or like a creator program, you know, but they still have no idea what they're doing. <laughs> Many of them do yeah. not, as I as I've learned it, as I as I talk to more and more brand leaders. So, what are your favorite beauty brands, products? Like, you also have amazing skin. You've got great hair. We've Thank already you. talked about your brows, which are very <laughs> much on point. What are your favorite beauty products at the moment? I both love to try new products, but I also am a creature of habit. So, when it comes to, I think skincare has been sort of a primary focus of mine again in the pandemic because I was sort of sitting with my bare face every day that I, I, you know, Mm -hmm. like many of us, like I I think I I started to focus more on the long-term health and appearance of my, my skin without any makeup on. I went through the phase of, you know, baking and like super (laughs) intense foundation and contour and making my face, like beating my face rather. (laughs) And now I've certainly come down a lot. And so foundationally, I think I really like to keep it light. Like I, 
I have a gentle cleanser. Like I use a Dermalogica face wash. I also have a Cetaphil one that I use. We love Cetaphil. Yeah. I, I really fundamentally believe in drugstore alternatives. Yes. I wash my face in the shower and, you know, I'm going to be honest. Sometimes I forget to like wash my face. At night, you know, like I'll use a makeup wipe and I'll be like, you know what? I'm too tired tonight and I don't do my skincare routine. And I just want to tell everybody that's okay. Okay. That's okay. Um, but for the most part, I, I wash my face. I am a very huge fan of Biologique Recherche okay. products. You're part of the, 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 I'm part BR of the hive. BR hive. I, I'm what is sorry. it about the products yeah. that you love so much? And what are your faves? Like, who, who's to say? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I feel like I'm drinking the Kool-Aid, but like, and, and I'm sure that there's like, you know, different alternatives and like, I don't need to be doing everything. But I am a very big P50 fan. Okay. Um, I do not use it as often as many people do, but I do love to just like have it. Like, I love to like use it like once a week okay. to like really deeply tone my face. Okay. And there's a, a moisturizer that I really love by them called Dermo Purifonte. Okay. That is, it feels like oatmeal-y and gorgeous. Like a nice soothing moisturizer. Yes. I also have started using face oil. I love a good facial oil. Okay. What's your good Okay. But oil? I have to say though, I don't know if you feel this way or like, it, it, like I had to sort of like mentally break myself out of a place of the fear of putting oil on my face. I have not had to do that only because my skin tends to be dry Got it. and okay. I'm not that like uh breakout or acne prone. Yeah. So I've always been like drenched me in oils. Yeah. But, okay. I, I, I've, I'm not um breakout prone either, but I guess I always just was like, if I put oil on my face, my face is going to be oily. You know what I mean? Right. And then I, I tried uh the Augustine Bader face oil. Hey, I have that at home and I have not opened it yet. Is you, it yeah, it's okay. pretty it's pretty great. Okay. But also if you're like an oil person, I would love to hear how you feel about it. Do you it. know what type of oil it is? No. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Not. I'll do my research and find out what type of it's oil it yellow. is. Yellow. Okay. I have their moisturizer that everyone okay. loves. And you know, it's always difficult for me when I get gifted things because yeah. I am not paying for it. So it's easy to love things that are free. Totally. You're like, oh, this is great. But totally. then people say, Oh, is it worth two hundred and sixty dollars? And that's where I have to say Maybe not. Maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Or maybe I, I haven't uh, used it enough to say. A hundred percent. I and I again like when as I was saying, like when people DM me and it'll be like, is it worth it or whatever? I'll be like, if you have the means to get it, get it. But I if I didn't, like I don't think I would buy this. I'm happy to say that. Yeah. I love the Neutrogena Hydro moisturizer. Ooh, the hydro That's like boost. a good one. Yeah. yeah. But you know what my big thing is is SPF. Okay. What's your go-to SPF? I want to use this soapbox I have now <laughs> to talk to brown and black women specifically about SPF because yeah. I think that enough of us don't use it because we believe, and it is true scientifically, our skin is more me with me melanin, obviously protects us from a certain level of UV yeah. harm. To a degree. We're to not going to get, we're not going to become extremely sunburnt right. with 15 minutes of sun exposure the way one of our paler counterparts <laughs> might. <laughs> right. Our alabaster friends, allies. Um, I have become obsessed with SPF. And I important. think that it has really changed the health and 
sort of way I feel about the confidence of the long-term term health of my skin in a way that I am obsessed with. Yes. Like I am always hounding people to put SPF on. Yes. Well, in terms of the yeah. naked beauty audience, you are very much preaching to the choir. Okay, I think great. I think everyone is like on like deep yeah. on the sunscreen train. I think people now are looking for mineral sunscreens mm. that work well with you know, brown skin. Don't leave a white cast. Don't leave a white cast. And I've been getting recommendations. Um, there's like undefined. Um, there's another brand called Kypris that has um, a product called Pot of Shade. That's a mineral sunscreen oh, nice. that uh, rubs in. There's another brand called uh, Tizo that has a mineral sunscreen. That rub- so like people are finding even mineral totally. sunscreens. I do what chemical I- sunscreen. Okay, interesting. I do. I'm a super goop girl. Okay. And I found a lot of success with super goop. Okay. With- Asian made sunscreen. Okay. Yes. Does not leave a white cast. Okay. So there's one by Innisfree, I believe. Yes, this Innisfree yes. sunscreen I hear a lot about. Um, Biore, is that is that how you say it? Biore. Biore, think, yeah. Biore uh, makes a great one. I also have found with ones that do tend to slightly leave a little bit of a white cast um, that I'm happy to mix it in with my tinted moisturizer. And I use Ami. Uh, Ami Cole. Yeah. Yes, Cole. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I love, uh, I love their product. I have it all over my face right now. I've, um, I've Ami Cole so on. I, I'm obsessed with the, um, the highlighter stick. Yes. I love that highlight it's stick. It's fantastic. Just a, like a little bit of glow and sheen. Uh, gorgeous. Yeah. yeah they've, really they've nice. made such amazing products. I hope that they make SPF next. Ooh. Um, but yeah, I, I've, I've really become obsessed with SPF. And it goes back to like sort of like the foundational like care of my skin. Um, I have now started to use more in the last like two years, more eye creams because I really want to make sure that like I'm thinking about the my, my eyes um, because, you know. What's your go-to eye cream? I just started using, um, gosh, I'm so bad at like pronouncing this. Is it, is it Clue de, you know what I'm talking about? Clay de Poe. Clay de Poe. Yes. Okay. I believe I, that's how it's pronounced. Yes. Yeah. I just, I like their eye cream. I was gifted the Augustine Bader one, which I've been enjoying. I was using another one before, but what I noticed is, is that my skin underneath my eyes is really sensitive. And so I don't know what it means if I, it feels a little burny underneath. That's not a good sign. Yeah. Not a okay. Good sign. Yeah. So I definitely, I, I won't say who it was, but I stopped using their eye cream. You can um, say who we, we talk about things that don't work all the time. Yeah. What, it, what, who was it? Oh, Valmont. It was okay. a Valmont one. Okay. Didn't love that. Immediately stopped different using. Different work for different people. Yeah. Valmont, uh, I didn't work for me. Um, but I'm new on my eye care journey. So if anybody has any recommendations, please send them to me. Yeah. Slide, slide into Zara's DM. Yeah. Please tell me. Well, you seem, you seem very together from the outside looking in. <laughs> As you look back on your beauty Life. Yeah. Have there been any like big beauty mistakes you've oh made? My God. Yeah, my eyebrows, like that razor moment. <laughs> well, like even just sort of like, you know, like 20, what year was it? Like 2015 and 2016, when like the, I really believe that was probably when pe- people started like hyper focusing on mm, brow car- shape. Yeah, like car, I feel like Cara Delavine, like ushered in yeah. a very full brow moment. Now, I've never had brows. I have to do microblading because I do not have brows. Okay, got it. So I've always been on the sidelines of this brow conversation. But yes, it it, it, um, it did become... I definitely thing. overdid them. I think okay. that like, I can't tell, you know, the people in my life enough, like men and women, like 
a growth in a brow to me is so, so gorgeous. Like stray hairs mm-hmm. underneath mm-hmm. and being able to like brush that up and mm-hmm. like just leaving your brows like as sort of natural as possible. And then of course, like shaping them slightly is yes. like great. Um, but like, yeah, I had like super shaped eyebrows. I was looking back at a picture of me with eyelash extensions. Never again. (laughs) I like when I was living in LA for like the year of my life that I was there, like I really went in on sort of like that world of like really over grooming and my lashes looked crazy. (laughs) Like I was like, what? Like who, like what's happening here? Did you just get them really long? I, yeah, like I guess like I just, I, I didn't really sort of like think about like yeah, like how long would look natural. Yeah, because you naturally have very long, thick eyelashes. Yeah, like I like to put like when I'm when I'm going to an event or something, yes. I like to put like individual lashes yeah, sometimes on the moment, outside, yeah. like a little moment. Yeah. But boy, those were bad days <laughs> for me. I was looking back and I'm like, oh, delete, lose it. Like never want to see these again. Yeah. Um, And then like, you know, what else? Like, again, like I... I went through like super intense makeup stages. Like I wore like, what was your favorite MAC lipstick? Ooh, you know, for me, it was more of the lip glass. Okay. See, I was wearing like Rebel. You know what I mean? I was like wearing like Rebel. Okay. Like Like, strong. But on like a Tuesday. Okay. But here's the thing. I actually like love that for us because I feel (laughs) like as women in our early 30s, we did have the opportunity to live through like the bold lipstick era. Totally. Of like, you would just, throw on like a like a purple lip like a pink lip a red lip and like I like that I feel like you're my people definitely like if I know that you like went through that phase like it makes it easier for me to sort of be like okay like we were we're the same people yes yeah um but like yeah in retrospect I was like wearing like like my like rebel lipstick with like my lime green top and like I was just out on the streets, like being like, here I am, you know? Yeah. But you know what? I love it. Um, there, I've, I've landed on this side of TikTok about like, I don't know, like how to be like classy. Which oh, I, interesting. Yeah, I, I, I'm not loving. Some people say it's kind of like an extension of like you, luxury black girl TikTok. Mm. Um, but there's all of this stuff about like, don't wear neons, don't wear things oh, with God. cutouts, have your hair this way. And I actually think that that's not great because I think especially young people like you should have been in that neon top totally. and like I think that there's a lot of value totally. to experimenting with your look yeah while you're young or actually at any stage experiment totally. with your look and having fun yeah absolutely like I, I would say that I don't like it wasn't like a mistake as much as it is one of those things I look back on and like never doing that again right right you know what I mean part of, part of the journey part yeah the totally journey. Yeah. um and Yeah, absolutely. Like, I actually, like, I'm lucky that, like, I was for sort of, like, that time and at that age, like, good at makeup. Yeah. For, again, like, the standard that, like, was sort (laughs) of set forth. But, like, I was trying things and I wasn't scared to try things. And so I certainly feel grateful for that. Um, But, yeah, I mean, MAC lipsticks were crazy. I still wear my Whirl you know, that's one of my favorite nude lipsticks for me. But yeah, I definitely like only pull out the red occasionally. When you want to have a moment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But with makeup, like now it's sort of like less is more for me. Like if I can sort of like accentuate the features mm-hmm. of my face that I feel, you know, really, I believe are are beautiful parts of my face, then 
I'm doing a good job with my makeup. And so I've really appreciated this phase of sort of the makeup movement of like natural, like sort of Mm -hmm. sun-kissed, wearing like a nice like highlighter that's like just natural and doesn't have a lot of ton of like glitter. Glitter. Yeah. 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 But like, you know, right now I have... I've never been good at eyeshadow, but you know, I have like a brown eyeshadow on now and I've been, I've been using this fun makeup by Mario. Like, I don't even know. It's like an iridescent sort of finish. That's what's on my eyes right now. It's so pretty. It's like this twinkling sparkle. I'm obsessed. I know. And and it's like so subtle and it like translates really well from night to day or day to night rather. No, day to night. Yeah. Day to night. Day to night. And. It I seems it. to not be moving. I'm always conscious about glitter on my eyes because I feel like it's going to end up all over my face. But this glitter is like on the lid it's and nowhere else. Awesome. I will hey. definitely, I'm going to send you one, but it is truly just like a nice thing to just like slide on my eyes. And yeah, like it's, it's like, as you said, like it's not something that like falls off of your eyes throughout the day. It looks so um, good. But yeah, this is where I am on my makeup journey right now. I've been loving using cream products more. Definitely. Like I've sort of like moved out of like powder. Mm -hmm. Um, And so definitely like cream blushes. Love. Okay. Um, What's your favorite cream? Okay. So I have four different ones right now. Tell me all of them. Okay. I have Elf Putty. Okay. Which I love. $4 at Ulta or wherever you can find the CVS. Those are gorgeous okay. and they're like nice sort of like if you're just going out to like, like on a, on a weekday or yeah. whatever, you definitely have to build those a little bit, but they're just like gorgeous. There's one called, I think it's Bora Bora. Um, and then I have the lighter version of that one as well. Four bucks. Okay. Nighttime. I've actually been learning a lot about color theory. Okay. Um, and with black and brown or just even melanated skin, Purple works really well for our skin tone. I love a purple. And so I've been using um, the Rare Beauty ah, blush, and which is, is so purple. Pig- it's so pigmented yes, too. Yes, and you need a tiny bit of it. And yes. if you blend that bitch out, it is <laughs> okay. great. Love it. I love that um, blush. And I really, I think she's done such a great job with that brand. I agree. It's quality. It's I good. Agree. And she's like, one of the like 9,000 celebrities that have put out beauty right. products and lines that actually sh- like should stay. Yes. I believe. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. I agree. Um, and I really love um, that blush. And I learned that from a TikTok. And from there, I like just searched purple cream blushes and I just went on a journey. And so I found that. And the other blush that I really like is actually also makeup by Mario. Okay. And it's a cream blush. Dab and it's a hot pink, which I was sort of like a little like like resistant to, but when I blend it, gorgeous. Yeah, and it's just it feels nice. It feels like it just like blends right in with your foundation or yes. your moisturizer or yes. whatever it is yes. that you're using. Yes. That creaminess yeah. just makes it that finish of cream blush uh, the best. I just love it. Yeah, I'm, I'm wearing um the like Merit Beauty little. Oh yeah, Merit is great. Super easy. I, Super a, easy. a lot of people love Merit, and then also. Westman Atelier yes. makes a nice yes. cream West blush Westman. as well. Yes, I agree. Yeah. I agree. And I love that packaging. Yeah. Well, I feel like I can't have you leave here without just dropping some career advice just because <laughs> I think you've um, you've had such an incredible career. And I think you're able to speak really well about what it's like to be a woman of color navigating, you know, predominantly white institutions. Yeah. Any career advice you can oh, share? Gosh. Extend more grace to yourself. 
Like let yourself be somewhere where you feel really happy about what you're doing and not sort of the sexiness of what the brand means to the world or, you know what I mean? And I think refocusing the sort of perspective to center yourself in the way that you move through the world. Like we all have to do capitalism, you know, like if you're living in this country, like, unfortunately we have to grind, we have to work. It would be misguided and irresponsible for me to be like, just figure it out. Like, you know, take some time off. And like, we don't all have that luxury, Mm -hmm. but if you can sort of like keep your North star, like, to a place of, I want to work somewhere. I want to do something that makes me feel like a fuller version of myself. Mm. Then like, you're good. And so long as you can do that, that's great. And also that it's not going to be easy. You know, it's really hard to have that conversation with yourself. It's really uncomfortable. It can feel really lonely. Um, especially if you're, you're thinking about doing work that is creative and vulnerable and asks you to do something that pushes you to a place that's like uncomfortable. You know, mm-hmm. I'm going through that right now with writing. I've always wanted to write, you know, I've always wanted to think about telling a story that is not somebody else's and it's really hard and vulnerable work, yes. you know, yes, and it's really scary. And, but I keep trying to tell myself that it's supposed to feel this way. (laughs) If it felt any other way, then I I wouldn't be doing it right. Or would it be good? Yes. And I think it's important throughout your career to ask yourself when you're getting too comfortable and when you need to push yourself to be in a more uncomfortable space, because that's where you find growth. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Final question for you. When do you feel most beautiful? Oh, gosh. When I'm with other women. Yeah. Truly. I know that sounds like so sort of like corny and dumb, but like I, I have realized that like getting dressed up to like be out with my girlfriends or like be at dinner with my friends and like looking around the table and like realizing that I'm with a bunch of incredible, smart, gorgeous women and feeling like we're doing that for each other is the best feeling in the world. And I think that like that is the most beautiful I women have always made me feel the most beautiful version of myself. My matriarchs, my peers, younger women, random women in the street. Like there is nothing that gets me off more than a woman giving me a random compliment. You know what I mean? (laughs) The best. Man, like, and I think that like, I feel most beautiful when I'm around other women and when I'm doing it for myself too, you know, when I feel like getting up and getting, you know, putting makeup on that I'm not like, who am I doing this for? Why am I doing this? I've stopped doing that. And I think that those are sort of like the ways that I think about beauty and it's just made it so much more fun to engage in and and valuable and um, less sort of like icky and commercial. And, you know, it's just made it more enjoyable. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Well, such a pleasure to well, speak with best. you and have you on the podcast. You are so good at this. Oh my and gosh, I, thank and you I very think much. that I am so grateful that people like you are doing this work and doing it so flawlessly. And the way that you approach your work and do this podcast, the people that you interview, 
it's important and you you don't do it with sort of any radical, like we have to talk, you do it so effortlessly and naturally. And I think that's the best way that it can exist. Thank you very much. I can't wait to see where this goes, you know, and I, I I love you for it. Yeah. We'll, we'll come back when your book is out and we'll talk about your book. We'll we'll see. (laughs) Uh, only if Mavi can, can come. Oh my gosh. Of course. I know. I know. Everyone's like the biggest Mavi fan. Definitely. You, you, you Mavi Hive. Mavi Hive. For, yeah. for real. All right. Thank you so much, Zara. Thank you, Brooke. You'll know real when you get it. It will say eBay authenticity guarantee and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like a gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts, not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. All right. That was Zara. Wasn't she so interesting and fabulous and just thoughtful about everything that she spoke about? I really, really enjoyed talking to her. I hope you all did too. And I will be back next week with a new episode. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.